0: you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605.
1: I'll try not to give a pre-sermon before the actual sermon, but I, I got tasked to introduce the person who is giving the message tonight because we go back like 20, maybe 30 years which is impossible because I know I look like I'm probably only 30, but Brent Eliason, well actually this, let me step back up even one step further. This to me is like an example of the importance of community in the body of Christ and how God exemplifies what community looks like and how important it is in our lives. Uh, When you spend time with people and mentor people, which is what Brent did to me when I was a young person, then here you get to stand in your 40s and introduce each other in in these moments where we get to sit as a community. So to me, Brent is the example of God's hand in my life since I was a kid. He first, I think we met each other maybe when I was still in middle school, like sixth grader probably, seventh grade, and you were at some, uh, yeah, USF. So uh, Brent and his wife Stacy taught my class every year in Sunday school at First Baptist in Sioux Falls, and they followed us all the way up. And then eventually Brent was the best man at my wedding, we've gone to youth trips together, Um, we had have freaky moments in our lives where we, like, have the exact same, like, really weird things, like the same watch, like, we showed up at church one day, we had the same fossa watch, we had the same, like, gap, like, coat on one day at church, and it was just like, what's going on? So, like, we really do think there's conspiracy going on when we say you're, we're a brother from another mother, I think our parents have some explaining to do because we are way too closely bonded for this to be a coincidence. Anyway, welcome, Brent. You get to grace us with a message tonight. Well, I was just talking about when.
0: What Chris didn't say. Oh, a whole lot. First of all, a whole lot. But it's kind of cool because, yeah, 13 years ago, we, we had talked about Um, He was going to lead worship at camp when I was camp pastor at Camp Judson, and it just didn't work out for him to be there. And so we have been planning this Sunday for like 13 years. And so this is the first time, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm going to start. I brought a bag of groceries here. And so I'm going to set these out. Got a red pepper, got a cucumber, and I have an apple. Ooh, that's good thing I got that one out of the fridge. I'll turn it this way so you can't see what's facing me. That's kind of nasty. Um, so some background on me. For 15 years, I was a high school biology teacher. And so I, I remember as I was transitioning from teaching school to going to seminary, I did some kind of leadership training. And at this leadership training, there was a pastor from Colorado. And he said, you were a biology teacher. Now you're going to be a pastor. I said, yeah, it's a weird path to take. And he goes, yeah, pay attention. He goes, because there was no greater biologist that ever walked this planet than Jesus. He said, so pay attention. He said, you have a unique opportunity to see things differently than most other pastors see things. And so I'm showing you these three things. And some of you will disagree with me, but I'm the biology teacher. So these three things are fruits. Now, one of them, you only, you know, you think of an apple as being a fruit, but this red pepper, this cucumber, this cucumber, this apple, they're all fruit. And so what are some characteristics of fruit? I'm putting my biology teacher hat here for a minute. Some characteristics of fruit is, fruit are the products of something beautiful. Because all fruit begins as a flower, and just as it seems like that flower has died, some, something new and beautiful and useful comes out of that flower. So they're, they're a product of something beautiful. Second thing is they look and taste appealing. Maybe not all of these, you know, to you, but their purpose is to look appealing and taste appealing because that serves their function. All of these things require time, nurturing, and energy to mature until they are ripe. And the fourth thing is their purpose is seed dispersal. The purpose of the fruit is to bring new life because inside of each one of these fruit are the seeds That when some creature comes along and sees it, they eat it. Sometimes you eat the seeds and then you deposit them some other place with the helping of fertilizer to help the seeds grow. Other times you may eat that apple cord and huck it out the window of your car and it lands in a ditch somewhere where probably the tree came from isn't. And so the purpose of the fruit is to bring new life. They provide nourishment, while also bringing life to a new location. That's the freak. Let's pray, and maybe we'll figure out where the heck just this guy with a biology degree, why is he talking about that? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true and that it is meaningful to us each and every moment of our lives. And so, Father, as we dive into your word, I ask that, My words don't get in the way of what you are speaking to each and every one of us this afternoon so father as we learn we ask that your word be our guide and your spirit be our teacher and that your glory and our transformation be dual purpose in your holy name amen so Dave said you're you're traveling through Acts and so you're in Acts 19 And so we're going to start, I'm just going to go verses 1 through 7 here, and we'll read through this together up on the screen. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So first thing, Paul's in Ephesus, and he's meeting with the Christians there, and Paul notices that some of the Christians lacked something in their life. There was something missing, and from his eyes, he saw what it might be, and so he asked them about the Holy Spirit, and they hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit, and so it goes on. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of of the Lord Jesus. And so the baptism of John, these, these Christians knew that they needed to repent. Repenting means to turn away from, right? Turn away from an old life and turn, turn towards something new. And so they knew they needed repentance, but there was something still missing. They knew they needed to turn away, but maybe Paul sensed that as they turned away, maybe they weren't necessarily moving in a direction. They had just turned away, but there was, there was just something missing something was lacking in their lives paul noticed and he asked and so they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus and when paul placed his hands on them the holy spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied there were about 12 men in all now this is where dave is driving you through the book of acts and so i said hey dave is it okay if if we get to this point and we kind of turn off and we park at the scenic overpass for a minute the scenic overlook And just think about this for a little bit. What does this mean? What is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit up to? What is this thing that's happening? So we think, what did did Paul notice? What did he notice in the lives of those Christians? And at some point, make a a note, John chapters 14 through 16, when Jesus, when they were at the Last Supper and Jesus was teaching the disciples, and, and you think, Jesus knew this was his last supper, and so you generally tend to think some of the last words that somebody speaks might be the most important words. Like, okay, if this is the last thing I've got to give you, this has got to be, this is just just the important stuff. And in chapters 14 through 16, Jesus is teaching the disciples about this comforter, this advocate that he is going to bring and, and offer to them. But he says in chapter 16, Jesus says, you know what, it's better for you that I go away because I'm going to send the Comforter. I'm going to send the Advocate. And so he's talking about this life in the Spirit. What does it mean to live life by the Spirit? And so this is something that we often in in church, we, we kind of take for granted. We don't really think about the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to pause here for a minute we're going to go actually to Galatians 5. So another, this is a letter that Paul is writing to the church. And in Galatians 5, verses 13 through 25, I believe. Don't have that written down here. In my Bible, it's entitled, Life by the Spirit. So we're going to jump into this and learn a little bit about what it means to live life by the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 13. Paul is writing to the church, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So he's pointing out a few things. First of all, in verse 13, some, some Bibles, they say, serve one another humbly in love. But he's saying, don't forget, part of our role as followers of Christ is to serve one another and serve one another in love. Fourteen, The entire law is summed up in one single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's reminding them when when Jesus was confronted, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second one is really close to that first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul's setting this up. What does it mean to live life by the Spirit? He's reminding us, of the greatest commandment. Love God and love others. Continues on. This verse 15 is a lesson that the world really needs to learn now, right? This is something that we're completely missing in all of this. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. See, that's a lost truth for today. Paul is setting this up and talking about what does it mean to live life by the Spirit? How do we do this? Love one another. Treat each other humbly in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Stop fighting. Stop biting at each other. Stop snipping at each other. He's setting this up. What does, what does love actually look like? The next couple of verses he, he sets up, he says, he's talking about walking by the Spirit versus acts of the flesh or acts of our sinful nature, in 16, 17, and 18. And then in verse 19, he starts talking about some of these acts of the sinful nature. And these are obvious, he says, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, something's not right with these, right? We go through this whole list, and obviously we can sit back and say, the bad. That's not good. And Paul is pointing this out, saying there's something not right here. Every single one of those things on that list is a self-centered action. It's an action taken to serve myself, to serve my own needs, oftentimes at the expense of another person. And so Paul's setting this up. What is life by the Spirit like? He reminds us what it's like at the beginning. In the middle, he gives us okay, this is what it doesn't look like. And if we think of these fruit, and we talked about some characteristics of these fruit, different than this. See, these do not come from a place of beauty, they come from a place of darkness and pain and destruction. These things do not look or taste good. Sometimes we may think that they do. Maybe they look good, but they taste horrible. There's a bitter aftertaste that we regret at the moment The moment we take a bite out of that. These things are impulsive and immature. Unlike the fruit where that we said it takes time and nurture, For them to mature these are often impulsive and immature and these bring death these things don't bring life so paul's saying these things these acts of the flesh they ultimately don't lead to life now if we're being honest all of us struggle with some of these things right we struggle with some of these things because it is in our nature to struggle with loving ourselves more than loving others I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Do you struggle with any of these? Because I think it's safe to say, I'll raise my hand and say some of these are a struggle for me. And I imagine some of them are a struggle for you. So Paul is setting this up, saying, okay, this is death. These acts of the flesh, every single one of these is actually an action word. That's why they are the acts of the flesh. But now he continues. He sets up this darkness and this sadness. Really kind of depressing, right? But then he turns. And now he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Reminder, what do we know about fruit? See, a fruit is a product of something beautiful. See, the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit is a gift from God, and it is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is described as a comforter, our advocate, counselor, our strengthener, our intercessor. He prays to God on our behalf. See, is it the Holy Spirit is a beautiful thing, and these fruit of the Spirit come from a beautiful place, not a place of darkness. Second thing we talked about, it looks and tastes appealing. Now that sounds weird, maybe. Okay, it looks and tastes appealing. The fruit of the Spirit. But if we go back to Psalm 34, verse 8, tells us, a taste and see that the Lord is good. What do they mean, taste the Lord? That seems weird. But taste and see that the Lord is good. In Psalm 34, it's mentioned multiple times. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we look at these things versus the things that were up on the screen earlier, we see those things. And when we see those things acted out, we all want some of that, right? Because we see that it's good. And when you see patience, when you see somebody that's more patient than you, you don't say, man, you're terribly patient. Normally we say, man, I wish I was that patient. That is a gift. These are things that we see and they're good and we desire them for ourselves so that good will flow out of us. Third thing we said about fruit fruit is that they require time, nurture, and energy to mature. See, these things, they take time. They take nurture. We need to care for these things. We need to care for our hearts. We need to care for our lives. We need to care for our relationship with our Redeemer. And sometimes it requires energy for us to block out the time and create the space for us to grow deeper in that relationship so these fruit can mature. And the fourth thing we said, the purpose of fruit is to bring new life. See, in John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. See, these fruit of the Spirit, when they are developed and mature in us, not only do we experience life to the full, but we also share life to the full. I always say within, within we all have a blast radius of our life, right? It's maybe a weird way of thinking, and that's, my brain just works weird. Some of us, maybe we all hope that the blast radius of our lives is an actual constructive life-giving blast radius but at times we've all experienced being actually the epicenter of our own blast radius of destruction or we've been in somebody else's blast radius of destruction. So what God calls us to do and to be are people who nurture that relationship with him. We allow these fruit of the spirit to grow within us so that the blast radius of our lives is tremendous. It is overwhelmingly life-giving. So these words, we'll go through them real quickly. And one thing I'm going to note is every single one of these words is a noun, which is different than those previous ones. All of those were action words. These are all nouns. So love, this kind of love is a selfless, self-sacrificing, unconditional love. It's a noun. It is just a thing. Joy is calm delight. It's gladness exceeding greatly, overwhelming gladness. Joy is a state of being. It's not a feeling that wavers. It is a core thing within us. Peace is wholeness. It's undisturbed. It's a friendly spirit promoting unity and harmony. Patience. Another word for patience is long-suffering, which isn't my favorite version of that word. I prefer patience long suffering doesn't sound like anything i want to endure but patience is endurance it's steadfastness it's perseverance it means we're slow to anger and we're slow to vengeance kindness is something that is a kindness that is serviceable it meets needs and it avoids harshness now the thing about this greek word there is not actually an english term there's no english word that quite carries this notion of the perfect blend of kindness and goodness we don't have a word for it so we stick with kindness but the word itself is so much more than that it's a blending of the kindness and the goodness that is next the goodness is an intrinsic goodness that comes only from god it's a quality and it's a condition The other interesting thing as I studied this, that goodness, that is only a biblical Greek word. There is not a secular Greek word. This is not used outside of biblical Greek. There's no word for it because this is an intrinsic goodness that comes only from God. And if you try to remove God from the equation, you don't have this word. Faithfulness. Is a character of one who can be relied on. Again, all these are nouns, they are things. Gentleness. Another word for gentleness is meekness, humility. What that means is I have the power to destroy, but I don't exercise that power. We all have dirt on people, right? There are people within our sphere of influence that we could destroy because we know stuff about them. If you have that, but you hold that, you have the power to destroy, but you don't use it. Even if they're using it against you, you hold it. That's that gentleness. That's meekness. And self-control. It's true mastery from within. And true mastery from within is something that only comes by the power of God. So all these things... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're all nouns, so what does that mean? If they are nouns versus action words, it means these are not things that we do. We don't do faithfulness. We are faithful. See, those acts of the flesh, those acts of the sinful nature are things that we do, that come out of us. These, fruit of the Spirit, they are a state of being. They are a state of being that comes out of our relationship with Christ, that matures over time as we nurture that relationship, as we spend time with God, as we pray, as we get to know him more, as we spend time in community with others, as we support other people, as we live life together in the presence of God, that matures within us. These are states of being. They are not things that we do. And God is always inviting us to go deeper and deeper with him. So these states of being, are you lacking any of these? When you look at that, Sometimes I'm not very good at patience. Sometimes I'm not very good at peace. Self-control is something I struggle with. I'm just going to stop there because it gets me more and more sad to think about all these things I'm not very good at. Are you lacking any of them? The great thing about God is He tells us to just ask. Ask. Be specific. Be surrendered. Same fruit people say, "Well, you know, all those fruits of the spirit—I got some of them, but I don't have some of those fruits." And as I was thinking about this, as as I was preparing for this this week, I, I had a question for Siri, and I'll ask her this. And it's important. Pay attention. When you look in your Bible, it says the fruit of the spirit, right? And so we think of these things as well. Love is a fruit of the spirit. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. Peace is a fruit of the spirit. Patience. And so shouldn't it say, about the fruits of the spirit? Hey Siri, what is the plural of fruit? Here's what I found. Hippo.com. The plural of fruit is fruit. Did, Did you hear that? That wasn't fake. I didn't like set that up. Ask Siri yourself later, what is the plural of fruit? The plural of fruit is fruit. So then I thought, huh. If the plural of fruit is fruit, then maybe this isn't the fruits of the Spirit, as if each one is its own separate thing. So then I looked at the Greek. That word fruit is in the singular form. So can I say, well, you know, the Spirit hasn't given me patience. That's why I'm not very patient. No, because the fruit of the Spirit, all this, is a package deal. It's like if we took all these and mashed them together, that probably wouldn't be very appetizing or look very good. But the fruit of the spirit is all that good stuff it's all in one package and it's all given and available to all of us and so if i struggle with patience i can't say well that's not something i got god gave you a double help and a patience but he kept it from my plate on the takeout line it's there it's waiting for us all we need to do is ask and be specific god I stink at patience. You know that better than I do. And so please help me with patience. Give me patience. And he's probably not going to give it to you right away, right? Because it kind of defeats the purpose of working on patience if he gives it to you right away. That one flopped a little bit. I was hoping for at least a smile, but I didn't even see a single person smile. But all of these brief of the Spirit can be yours. Don't doubt. Ask and believe don't be discouraged keep asking especially if patience is one you struggle with keep asking be persistent keep asking him because it's here waiting for us I didn't put it up here but in Luke 6 verses 44 through 45 Jesus is talking about fruit he says a tree is identified by its fruit A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. See, the acts of the flesh are all things that we do. The fruit of the Spirit is something that we are. It is something living within us. And when we give the space and the time and the nurture to the Spirit within us in our relationship with God and with each other, these fruit will emerge. They will mature. And all of a sudden, people will see patience in us. They will experience love when they're within our blast radius. They'll experience the kindness and all the good that comes from that. See, fruit is not a work, fruit is not an act. Fruit is a product that corresponds to the nature of the tree. The fruit comes out of who we are, and whose we are. What we do comes out of, or as a result, of all that we are. And if, anyone's, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So are you missing something? When you look at that list, are you frustrated because you don't feel that joy in life? Because sometimes life is just stinking hard, and it feels like it's just such a battle. Ask God for joy. I know it sounds easy and simplistic, but it's sometimes the hardest thing that we can do is to be specific with God and say, God, you know that I'm not very good at this. I struggle with this, and so help me with this. And then believe that the one who says, I have come that you may have life to the full. And I have come that you may bring your life to the full, which is Christ in me, and you will offer that to everyone who enters into your blast radius. Are you missing something? Ask. Abide in Christ. Soak in his presence nurture that spirit within us allow space for the holy spirit to fill you so you can become love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control see i think self-control is the last one because that's the hardest one if i can master that self-control then all the other stuff falls in line right If you lack it ask for it and the reason why we ask for those things yeah it's partly for us it's partly so we could experience the spirit in our life but remember the purpose of a fruit is to bring life to bring life and to bring nourishment to something else it's not to be hoarded We do this so that others can come to know the love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and redemption of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who lived, died, and rose again so that we can live life and give life through his presence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that this is a package deal. That when we don't feel love, Father, we know that you are love. When we don't feel joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we don't feel those things. We know that you are offering them. So help us, Father, to just be surrendered to you and to ask you for help. To not let our pride take over and think, I really need to work on my own patience. But to surrender ourselves to you. Father, help us to see ourselves the way that you see us as amazing creations created in your image. And Father, help us to lean on you. Because Father, you are good. You are everything good. We thank you for your presence. And Father, we thank you for all that you are up to in us, around us, and through us. In your holy name we pray. Amen.